Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So, Drew asked me if I would teach this Sunday, and I said, okay. And then he gave me the two worst verses in the Bible. I kid, sort of. He said, hey, we preach out of Hebrews 11. I was like, oh yeah, that's the, the Faith Hall of Fame. That'll be fun. That's going to be cool. And he says, verses 20 and 21. I was like, oh, I'll go see what that says. I wonder what that says. And it's like I read it. And it says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Thanks, Drew. Man, and, and I sat with that verse, and, and what's cool is, is we've learned... I'm going to give you guys just a picture of like what it looks like to eat the word and what it looks like to dig into the word and see what the Lord has to say to you through his word. Um, but like as as I begin to sit with it, I'm sure that the Lord is going to show me something cool. I'm sure that if I begin to dig into this and eat this word, that like something significant is going to be in these two verses. And so I sit with it for a couple days. I got nothing. I'm talking to my wife, and she's like, hey, I'll, I'll eat it, and I'll sit with it, and I'll, like, I'll, I'll share with you my observations that I make out of it. And like two hours later, she texts me from work, and she's like, you're on your own. I got nothing. I was talking to our pastor from here, and I was sitting with him, and I said, hey, we're going to, going to uh, Berryville, and I'm going to get to preach, but it's kind of different because he gave me the text that he wants me to teach on. And I was like, oh, yeah, what are you supposed to teach on? And I read him the two verses, and he laughed at me. And he said, good luck with that. Thanks, Chris. Another good friend, I was sitting at his house hanging out one night, and I said, hey, this is what I'm supposed to teach out of, and uh, he actually, this is kind of funny, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm leaving today, right? He says, just get up there and speak the truth and be like, some are chosen, Calvinism's true, drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> oh, man. So after like two weeks of, of really getting to the point where I'm, I'm nervous about how I'm going to wring something out of this and kind of wearing the weight of it, um, it was like Monday at 4.15 in the morning. Like I woke up and I grabbed my phone and like, like the Lord began to connect some dots for me. And so, um, like I'm telling you, it's not about being a, a great preacher. All I'm going to do today is like I'm going to talk to you about the overflow of what the Lord's teaching me. Um, and we're going to walk through some things and and it's pretty funny that he was telling me last night, I asked my dad to preach on these two verses, and he preached the whole book of Hebrews. And I'm like, well, just so you know, you asked me to preach out of Hebrews, but like, that says Ephesians, right? <laughs> I didn't follow directions. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20 and 21, it says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, and by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. <coughs> So here's a picture of what's playing out here is Isaac is the son of Abraham. Um, and it's saying that, that by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. And that word blessed, when you begin to dig into the word, basically blessed means to, to speak highly of. Like it means to speak something that confers benefit, right? And so, so what happens is Isaac is speaking truth over Jacob and Esau. And then it says then, then the carryover of that is that by faith, Jacob, when dying, he did the same thing his dad, his dad did for him. He blessed each of the sons of Joseph, which means Jacob was blessing his grandsons, right? And then it says the bowing and worship over the head of his staff. So here's the question that I begin to ask. is like, how were these fathers able to speak blessing over their descendants? Like, how were they able to do this with confidence and with authority to say, like, like let me speak this over you, and it's going to be true? And like the word tells us, like it was by faith right? And so when I start to look at what that word means, and I know you guys have been talking about this for a long time, and uh, man, we use this tool called Bible Hub to dig in and find out what the word says. Like when you look up faith on Bible Hub, it is like, like it's ridiculous, right? 
There, it's, I've never seen anything like it in all the time that I've been using this app to dig into what these words mean. It's like, it's not one meaning, it's literally like 40 meanings and explanations and like faith is this deep thing that is not super easy to wrap your head around. But one of the things that I, that I read jumped out to me and it says, it says that in secular antiquity, which just means that in ancient past, this word um, P-I-S-T-I-S is the word for faith. It says that it referred to a guarantee or a warranty. Like it says that in Scripture, faith is God's warranty certifying that the revelation He inbirthed will come to pass. Right? Like faith is believing that the things that He said are going to happen. So that begins to make you ask, so what's the difference between faith and belief? Because like we read in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says like that even the demons believed and shuddered right? But it's like they had no, they, they, they didn't have any faith, they didn't have any experience, but they believed that God was who he says he was, and like it caused them to shudder, right? Because it says you do well, even demons believe and shudder. So a lot of us think, yeah, I believe in God, like I believe that God is who he says he is, I believe that, that Jesus is the son of man, right? But like the fact of the matter is that belief is not enough. Believing that God is who he says he is like, is not doing anything for the demons who hear his name and shudder. Right? So then we keep going. Oh, like, so this is, this is one of our favorite, like if you've done youth ministry at any amount of time at all, one of the ways that you explain faith is like, like I can look at this chair right here and I can look at this chair and I can, I can examine this chair and I can, I can I can believe that this chair is structurally sound. I can believe that if I walk over and sit in that chair that it's going to hold me up. But like the truth is, until I actually go and sit in that chair, I haven't put any faith in that chair. All I've done is talk about it. I believe it'll work, but it, like it's not faith until I go over and sit down, right? And so like the picture of that is that like faith is often what happens when you add some kind of action to your belief like it's not enough to just believe like you have to do something with your belief which reminded me also of like James when he said faith without works is a dead faith right like if you don't do anything with your faith then it's not really faith If you don't do anything with your faith then it's not really doing you any good right faith without works is dead and until I sit down I'm not putting my faith in it I can talk about it all day long but it's not faith till I do something with it there's another definition that says faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief, but yet it involves it, right? The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. Like the simple way to talk about that is like, like we talk all the time in making disciples, like you sit with the Lord and you do the next thing. Like you sit with the Lord and you figure out what the next thing he's in birthing in you is and then you go do something about it. Like how am I going to know what the Lord is like telling me to do if I don't sit with him, if I don't hear his voice, if I don't, if I don't spend time with him? But then what good does it do me to hear his voice if I don't get up and go do something about it, right? Like these are two things that go hand in hand. Belief is believing that the God is who he says he is. Faith is getting up and doing something about it, right? Um, so, the next question becomes like, where did their faith come from? We see Isaac bless Jacob. We see Jacob bless his grandsons. Like, how did they walk in that faith? Where did that faith come from? And the picture is like it comes from the words that were spoken over them and the promises that were made to them by their fathers, right? Like they're walking in faith and they're doing the thing that had been modeled for them because it had been done from generation to generation to generation. It was a faith that was getting passed down even though they weren't seeing it come to pass. So like, now the next question becomes, where did those promises come from? Like, did they just make them up? Did they just wake up one day and go, hey, this sounds good. Let's, let's, let's say this about ourselves until it becomes true? Like, absolutely not. Like, we know that the promises that were being passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Joseph's sons, like those are promises that literally came from the mouth of God. So if you guys will turn with me, we're going to spend a little time in Genesis. We're just going to read some text. Um, Genesis chapter 17, we're going to read through verses 1 through 8. 
It says that when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. It says, then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So in Genesis chapter 17, we see that God appears to Abram and he establishes a covenant with him. Like he begins to speak promises over him. He begins to establish Abraham's identity. He literally changes his name. He says, this is who you used to be, but let me tell you who you're going to be. Right? He literally changes his name. Changes everything about him. Begins to, to speak promises and blessings over the life of Abraham. It goes on in, chapters, in verse seven, chapter 17, verse 19. It says, God said, <coughs> no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So God promises Abraham to establish his covenant with his son Isaac. Genesis chapter 26, verses 2 and 3. It says, And the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath or the covenant that I swore to Abraham, your father. We're getting a covenant that's passed down from generation to generation. Now in Genesis chapter 27, verse 27, this is Isaac speaking to Jacob, his son. It says, so he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. It says, may God give you the dew of the heavens and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse. He's laughing at me, bro. He's like, I've been there, huh? Man, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So this is Isaac speaking blessing over Jacob because it had been spoken over him. Then we see Jacob to his grandsons, and it says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The Lord before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So the picture is that all the blessing being bestowed to future generations is a continuation of the covenant that was made between God and Abraham, right? Like it's this thing that was spoken to Abraham. Um, like, like God told Abraham something, and even though he didn't see it, like God made a promise to Abraham that he never saw fulfilled. God made a promise to Abraham that he never saw play out. But even though Abraham didn't see it, he believed it to be true. So by faith, he spoke it into the lives of his heirs and then into the next and the next until the promise was fulfilled and the covenant was fulfilled because by faith, they believed the promises of God to be true. Now here's what's super cool. Like the same thing is playing out in our lives today. Because Jeremiah tells us, like, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Jeremiah 31 talking about a new covenant that is to come, right? I mean, like, here's the thing. This is not a teach on covenants. Please stay with me. And like, if you want to go home and you want to dig it, like the, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham is a super, super cool thing. And like, it's a picture, like there's a, a thread woven from the covenant of Abraham all the way through. Like there's a thread of Jesus that is woven all the way through that thing. And it is, it is legitimate, right? And it is super cool. This is not a teach about covenants, right? So stay with me. Because Jeremiah promises that a new covenant is coming, right? And then Jesus, Luke chapter 22, verse 20. This is at the Last Supper. This is when Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's already taken the bread and he's broken it and he's passed it out. And then in Luke 22, 20, it says, And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant. It was promised years and years before, like it was promised when Jeremiah prophesied it, but now Jesus is saying, like the time has come. Like this is it. This is the covenant that you've been waiting for. The covenant that was made with Abraham, like it got broke and it got messed up and it caused division and it caused all kinds of problems that were never supposed to happen, but like God promised a new covenant and Jesus has just come on the scene and is saying like, like I am that new covenant. This is a new covenant that's made with my blood that I'm spilling. I'm making the sacrifice. So all the sacrifices that, that, that were in the law, all the things that you had to be, do before, like those things have passed away because they're fulfilled like when I shed my blood, like this new covenant has been established. And so like the writer of Hebrews in chapter 8, this is verse 6 through 13, he says it this way. He says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Like the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, like this is in Hebrews, like behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. He's looking back to Jeremiah and he's saying like, like you guys know this scripture, like you know what was written in Jeremiah. A lot of these people had this Old Testament memorized like it was in them and like he's reminding them that like it was spoken about in Jeremiah and now you've seen it come to pass. Like behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Hebrews 8, talking about the new covenant. Like the writer of Hebrews is connecting the dots that Jesus established the new covenant that was promised to us since Jeremiah. 9.15 says, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So those who called, those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Like these promises were passed down from generation to generation to generation and they were speaking into their identity and they were speaking into who they were becoming in Christ like they were speaking blessings over these generations and that covenant got jacked up. And like Jesus came on the scene and he writes a new covenant and Hebrews 9 says, like so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred, that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. It's a pretty good open, right? We're like halfway done. Sorry, my nose is, I think I'm allergic to Arkansas, dude. Like, I've been fine at home. Like, Aaron, we were walking to their house last night. She's like, you guys need to move to Arkansas. And like, this, this is, 
This is a sign from the Lord. No, I'm kidding. <coughs> so guys, if the blessings and the identity, the blessings and the identity of the players in the Old Covenant was passed down from generation to generation through a word being spoken, then the blessings and the promises of the New Covenant are passed down the same way. And if the fathers blessing their sons in faith, these fathers are speaking life over their sons, if the fathers blessing their sons in faith was a big enough deal to be written down years later by the writer of Hebrews, then do you think the things the father says about you now are just as important? Of course, right? <clears throat> so as I'm reading through this, like I was reminded of the beginning of Ephesians. <clears throat> Excuse me. And here's what I would ask. Like, if you're taking notes this morning, like, this is not about, um, like, writing down three points, but, like, if you've got a notebook, like, I would ask you to write down this verse. Like, I would ask you to write down Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, because what we're going to do is, like, as I was reading through this blessing, and Isaac blessed Jacob, and Jacob blessed, uh, 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 Jacob blessed Joseph and his grandsons, and, like, Jacob eventually blessed all of his sons, and, like, there's all this blessing happening. Like, I was reminded of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. But I'm going to read through chapter 3, excuse me, Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Man, so one of the coolest things that we get to give away, one of the, the, the neatest things anybody's ever taught me and one of the coolest things that we get to give away in the process of making disciples is we get to teach people how to eat the Word. And man, in a nutshell... Um, Anything that you read, there's two different ways that you read it. When you pick up a book and you read through a book, there's two different ways that you interpret it. And there's this thing called author's intent and there's this thing called reader's response. And like 95% of the things that we ever read in our lives, we read through the lens of reader's response. And it's why like I can read a book and it'll say something to me and I'll be like, man, it was so cool that this played out. Somebody else reads the same book and like something else jumps out to them, Right? And the, the, the truth is a lot of times when we're reading through something, we're reading it through the lens of our life, we're reading it through the lens of our experience, we're reading it through the things that we've been through, we're reading it through the lens of all the things that have happened to us, we're reading it through the, the lens of our upbringing and how we were taught and how we were raised. We're like, like there is a lot of baggage that we don't even realize we're carrying when we read through something, Right? And so if we're not really careful, the problem becomes we begin to read the Word the same way, and instead of reading it, realizing that like when, when that paper was pinned, when the Lord like spoke to these men who put these words down on paper, like it had an intent. Like the author intended it to say something, right? Not just for us to read it and go, well, I think it says this, and I think it means this. The truth is like when it was pinned, it had an intent. And if we're going to read it well and we're going to understand what the Word has to say and we're going to allow it to speak to us, we need to know what the author's intent was when he wrote it. It's way more important than what I think or what I feel, right? So one of the coolest things that we get to do is like we get to eat the Word. And so now it becomes not just me telling you, hey, let me tell you what this verse says about you, right? But like we're going to dig into it. We're going to see what the Lord has to say. You guys good with that? So this is another part where like there's going to be a little bit of give and take, right? And I'm going to... We're gonna go through this pretty quick, but like, like engage with me, please. Like I'm asking, right? It's like Ephesians chapter one, verse three. 
And if you can't see, like, this is a good time. Dylan, like, if you guys are sitting over there and you can't see, there's a lot of empty chairs. If you guys want to move over here so you can see, it'd be cool. But if you don't want to, it's okay. She's looking at me like, why are you talking to us? <coughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the first thing that we do when we eat the Word um, is we identify pronouns. Because pronouns are important because we need to know who the players are in the verse that we're reading about. We need to know who's talking. We need to know who they're talking to. We need to know what they're talking about, right? If you don't know who it is, you don't know if it applies to you, right? So, real quick, I know some of you are teachers. Some of you are smarter than me. Like, I'm also going to preface this with, this is not a grammar lesson. I don't care about, like, uh, participles and, and I don't even know. I don't even know the good grammar words, right? This is simple. This is so simple, like I can eat the word with my, with my seven-year-olds, right? Because they know pronouns. So, as you read through this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What's the first pronoun? Who sees a pronoun as you read through this? The first pronoun that you see. Let's just keep, let's get them all circled first, and then we'll come back and figure them out. What's the next one? What else? Is that it? Okay. So now here's the important part. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Who is writing this? Who's writing this letter to, to the Ephesians? Paul. Okay? So this word our means that Paul has put himself in this group. Right? Not blessed be the God, the Father, God and Father of you guys, right? But like now he's included himself in this group. So he's saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's Paul, because he's included himself. And who else? Who else is included in R? Who is this? Right? So that's a, like the Ephesians, okay? But let's take this just a little bit farther. Like we know that this letter it's, it's awful, okay? The handwriting is not going to be good. You're going to have to listen, and good luck. Like, we know that Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, right? But, like, like if, we're, if we pay attention here, like, this group is getting even smaller. Because what he's doing is he's saying, I'm writing this to this body, but, like, I'm talking to, like, like who's he talking to? Like, he's talking to people who have made Jesus Lord. Like he's not just taught, like, like what you, this is where you got to be careful because this letter's written, written to the church, right? But then he clarifies, like, like you got this isn't for everybody. And what you got to understand is there are some promises that are coming right behind this and the Lord is going to say some amazing things about the people that fall into this group, right? But like, if you're not careful, you begin to falsely believe that the fact is like you belong to this group and man, sometimes we don't. And so what I want you to ask yourself today is like, like, are you a part of this group of believers? Are you a part of this church of Ephesus? Are you a part of the people this letter is written to that like believes, blessed be the God and Father of who? Of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Like, is Jesus Lord? Like, do you believe He is who He says He is? Or do you put faith with it and do something about it? Right? So, this is not just the Ephesians. It's people who have made Jesus Lord. J-I-L. Jesus is Lord. Now here's where it gets fun. Is this you? Like, like this is me. Like this is David. Now this is where it gets fun. Like blessed be the God and Father of David. Because I've made Jesus Lord. And like, so who is us? Like, it's the same people. Like, this is Jesus is Lord. This is me. Like, best be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed 
me in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like I can say that with confidence because I know who he intended to write this to and I know that that is a promise that is for me. Because it's true and it's good and it's right. So like, let's keep going. And the next thing that we do is we identify verbs. Anybody see any verbs in here? What did you say? Somebody over here? So here's what's super cool, too. Um, like, I listened to, to what David Killingsworth taught last week, and he talked about the difference between, um, like, doubt as a noun and doubt as a verb, right? And those things matter when you begin to eat the word because, like, you could look up here and go, like, blessed is a verb, right? Because right here, it's a verb. But like when you eat this right here, like when you dig into this, like this, this isn't a verb. Like this is an adjective. Like this is who he is. Like this is who God is. Like blessed, again, we'll get into word meaning in a second. Um, but like this is a verb, and then this is a noun. Right? Like how cool is that? So like this is describing who God is. This is telling us something that's happened, and then this is telling us like something that we get, right? This is a noun. This is a thing. This is something tangible. This is something real. So then we're going to skip. There's a couple more filters, but for the sake of time, like we're going to do some word meaning real quick. So what does the word blessed mean? Anybody know what the word blessed mean? Like it means to speak well of. Color. It means to speak well of. Like it means to celebrate by praising. It means entitled to receive blessing from men. It means worthy of praise. Like this is an adjective. This is what we're saying about God. Like worthy of praise be God. Spoken well of. Like celebrated, celebrated by praising be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is an adjective. This is talking about the attributes of God. Let's talk about Lord. Who knows what Lord means? Anybody know what Lord means? Absolute owner. Now guys, you got like like I want you to I want you to hear my heart. I'm not making this up. This isn't this isn't Webster's dictionary. This is going back to um, like the original Greek and seeing what these words meant when they were penned. It's going back to figuring out what the author's intent was when he wrote this, right? But now this is where things begin to shift because Lord means absolute owner. It means one exercising absolute ownership rights. Blessed be the God and Father of our absolute owner. Blessed be the God and Father of the one who exercises absolute ownership rights of us. Now, like this isn't me, but like this is where the this is where like this is where the division begins to happen. This is where you have to begin to ask yourself, like, is Jesus Lord? Like, and the fact is there's a whole lot of churches. Like the Western church is super, super comfortable with Jesus being Savior. We love the idea of Savior. We're comfortable with the idea of recognizing that like I'm sinful and I need a Savior. We love the idea of Messiah. We know that we need somebody to pay the price for us. Like we are so good with that. And grace, man, like we love grace and we know that that's true. And like it is true, right? But like in Acts, it says, like make no mistake, this Christ whom you crucified is both Messiah and Lord. He has to be both. Jesus didn't come just to be your Savior. He didn't come just to be your Messiah. Like he says, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. Is he your absolute owner? Is he Lord? 
Or is he just Savior? Is he just Messiah? Because he came to be both. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, again, this word, to speak which confers benefit. It also means like to speak highly of, to speak well of. Every is each one piece at a time. It's a picture of a whole, but it's one piece at a time. When the word says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus, like it doesn't mean like, Every thought that you're ever going to have, take it captive to Jesus. But it means like one piece at a time, each. It's going to be the whole, but it's going to be one piece at a time. And it's the same thing here. Like he's saying, um, with each spiritual blessing, one piece at a time, he's pouring stuff out on us. Um, And this word blessing, as a noun, it says a concrete blessing. Like it says the benefits of the blessings of Christianity. Listen, I know this is dumping a lot on you. But like, check this out. Like, this is, this is a verse that we had read a whole bunch of times. I know it's hard to read. The benefits of blessings of Christianity, right? It's a concrete blessing. But this is the, this is the verse that, like, like, I always thought that blessed meant like he was going to take care of me. Like, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, he's gonna meet my physical needs, and he's going he's gonna to make sure that I have everything that I need. But, like, like, this wrecked me when I began to eat this because what it's saying is that, like, like blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ who speaks well of me. What? How, like, how can that be? Like, I know me. Like, I know how wretched I am. I know how screwed up I am. I know all the reasons that he has to speak poorly of me. I know all the areas that I still sin that, like, nobody else sees. I know the darkness of my heart. Like, I, like Paul said, I am the, the chief sinner, and I know that's true of me. Right? But, like, because, like, he's my absolute owner. Because what he says matters more than what I say. Because what he says matters more than what I see. Because what he says matters more than what I believe. Like like Jesus Christ, like God the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ is speaking well of me in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And this says, like, in the realm where God lives. Like, we believe this lie that God is sitting up in heaven waiting to pour judgment, waiting to pour wrath, waiting to hurt us, and what He's telling you is the God and Father, the Creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the potter of which you are the clay, is sitting in heaven speaking well of you. Because He loves you. Because He created you for relationship with Him. Because He wants you. Because He cares about you. He has good things to say about you because the only filter he sees you through is the blood of Christ. Because Jesus is your absolute owner and your Savior. And like you've put on Christ, he speaks well of you. That's good news. Right? All right, Jenny, we come help me? We're going to do two more verses. We're going to do them a little quicker. So if you're writing these down, man, we're just going to keep going. Verse 4 and 5. Our board's a little janky. Thanks for that, Drew. Why? What's the Lord saying to you right now, Jamie? Right. 
like like this word exhort, like we talk about like exhorting someone, like and what it means is to make a call from close up, right? And like I don't walk closely with you, but like we've like we've 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 traveled similar paths, right? Man, Jamie, like it's easy to believe the promises of God about the body. It's easy to believe the promises of God about about the people that you're leading. It's easy to believe that like what the Lord says about the person that you're pouring into is true. But man, like don't ever lose sight of the fact that it's true about you first. Right? Like that's good news, Jamie. Like he loves you. And like when you really carry this out, like like he says that we're co-heirs with Christ, right? And he says all the promises, everything that he says about Jesus because you're adopted into sonship is true about you. So you know what that also means? Is like, like Jesus, like the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit ascended on Jesus and said like, like this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And you know what the good news is, Jamie? It's like he said it before Jesus had done anything. Like he said it before he had preached, before he had healed, before he had laid his life down, before he had went to the cross, before he had done anything to move the kingdom, right? Like this is what the Lord, this is what God the Father said about Jesus, his son. And like, like the voice of the Lord is true for you too. Like Jamie, this, you are my daughter with whom I am well pleased before you've done anything. Everything else is bonus. At least that's a little better written right there, right? All right, let's keep going. So it says, even, we're going to do pronouns again. Even as he, who's he? This is God, right? This is God the Father. Jesus works too. Jesus is a super churchy answer. Anytime you don't know, just say Jesus. You're probably right, right? God the Father chose who? Who's us? Jesus is Lord. And that's me. Chose us in who? Like when did he choose us? Alright, we'll get back to that. To be a holy and blameless before who? Holy and blameless before who? Before God. And loved, he predestined who? Jesus is Lord. Whose will? So like, like I had I had one of my best friends. Like he he was um he was with us the entire seven years that we did youth ministry and more. Um, and he was in my living room the other day. And like we were eating these same verses on a piece of paper in our living room. And I was teaching him how to eat the Word. He's never done it before. He's been a full-time youth pastor, um, but like, like he didn't know how to eat the Word. And it was super cool because they come over just to have dinner. And the next thing we know, like they're having a fight at my kitchen table. And what's, what's rolling out of them is that like, like he's insecure and has identity issues. And like, they want more from the Lord and they don't know how to get it. And man, like it's so cool to be able to go like, like I'm equipped to help you. Like I've been discipled. Like I know how, like I have tools to not just pat you on the head and go, hey, good luck, go home and read your Bible. But like I can help you change your mind and believe the good news. So like we move into my living room and we roll out this piece of paper and we begin to eat these, wor- eat these same verses. And like all we did was change pronouns. Like one filter. For us, when we really get into there's like seven filters. One filter, and it begins to change everything. Because it says, even as God the Father chose me before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before Him. Like in love, He predestined me for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Let's go home. Like that's it. Like that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's that's that is the freedom that we're looking for. Like like that is what we're trying to work towards, and we're not believing the truth that we can't do anything to earn it, right? Like this is the good news of the gospel: is that He chose you, He picked you, not because you did anything, but we do th- like we give our lives away because He chose us. Like He first loved me. So I can love other people. Not the other way around. 
Verbs? Anybody see verbs? These are the things that he's doing for us, right? Like we're just barely scratching the surface of this, but I want you, like, like, like the takeaway today is one, like the reason we eat the word is because we believe. Like we read it in Jeremiah and we read it in Hebrews when he says there's a day coming when no longer will you have to go to your brother and have him teach you about God because he's going to make himself known to everybody, Right? And that's what he's doing is he's revealing himself to us. And he gave us this word and he gave us these promises and he gave us these things that he says about us. But we don't, he doesn't, we, we don't allow him, like Drew talked about it a couple weeks ago. He says, like, God does not want to be hidden. Like it says, if you seek me, you will find me. God wants to be found, but you got to go find him. God wants to be found, but he wants you to put some faith with your belief and do something about it. Don't just stop at believing that God is who he says he is, but get up and go do something about it because he wants to be found right? He wants to reveal these things to you. He wants to transform you. He wants to change your identity from the things that the world says about you to the things that he says about you. That's what he wants to do. And it's woven from Genesis through Revelations, guys. Like it's woven through the entire story because in Genesis, like why did they hide in the garden? Anybody know? Why, why, what reason did Adam give when God said, why are you hiding from me? Like he said, because we're naked, right? And God says, who told you that you were naked? And this whole thing plays out, right? And what we see is like they walked in disobedience and there was punishment and there was consequence for that. And their disobedience cost them something. But what's the next thing that God did? He made them clothes. Like the reason that they gave, they said, this is why I can't be with you anymore. This is why I can't come close to you anymore. This is why I can't abide with you. This is why I can't walk with you in the garden because I did something I wasn't supposed to. And God, the first thing he did is take away their excuses and make a way. Like if this is what you're going to say, like, no, I'm going I'm to make that a lie. That's not true anymore. Now you're clothed, so come back to me right? From Genesis through Revelations, it's the story of a God who is making a way to have relationship with his people. He wants to be with you, not just with his church, not just with his body, not just to see his glory go across the earth, but like, like he wants relationship with you, Dylan, like with you, Drew, with you, Chase, like he wants a relationship with me. And everything else flows out of that. But we do it backwards. Like, God, let me do all this stuff for you. Like, like we try to make clothes ourselves. Like, let me cover myself with these works. Let me cover myself with these things that I'm doing. Let me put on some things so that I can come to you. And he's saying, all you got to put on is Christ. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him. Chose. Chose means... Pick out for myself. Guys, it says, it says to pick out for myself. It says elect, select. Check this out. It says a highly deliberate choice with a real heart preference. With a definite outcome with an outcome that is already decided. Like he chose. Creation. He chose us before the foundations. Like in foundation is like the creation. Like and it says, it says it's cast according to a blueprint. And it says it's the structure that determines the entire direction of all that follows. This word to be, like, how many of you know Jesus said a handful of times, he said, like, like I am. Like, who are you? He says, I am. Like, this word to be is like, I am. It's the same word, E-I-M-I. -I. I am. 
being, the current state. Holy. Set apart. Sacred. Different like, different. This is my favorite. It says likeness of nature with the Lord. is different from the world because like the Lord blameless without blemish faultless unblemished unblemished from the marring effects of sin Like even as he chose me, even as he chose you in Christ before creation, to be the foundation before the foundations of the world were laid, to be likeness of nature with him, and to be unblemished from the marring effects of sin. Like he chose you. like predestined, marked out beforehand, predetermined. It says in love, love that word, preference, it's what God prefers. So in preference, he marked out beforehand. For adoption as sons. That word adopted is legally made a son. It says it's nature and condition of true disciples of Christ who by receiving the Spirit of God into their souls become sons of God. He adopted you. Now here's what's super cool, is when this was written, and I actually just found out the other day, they're like, this is still true today. But in the context of this being written, why, like, why would he adopt us, right? Like, in the world that we live in today, like, we hear all kinds of terrible stories about adoption. And the fact is, a lot of people that find themselves being adopted, it's because they were in a terrible situation to begin with, right? So why does he use this word, adopted? Why doesn't he just say, like, like you're reborn as natural sons? Or, like, why does he clarify over and over and over? that Like, like in, in a lot of places he says, like, he adopted us. There's another place where he says, like, he ransomed us, right? Why does he use this word, adopted here did you know when this was written if you had a family like i've got four boys when this was pinned if i decided to adopt a kid into my life if i decided to say okay like your parents died you you uh you're what's the word orphan that's the word like, you got orphaned because of this terrible thing that happened in your life. So, like, like I want you to come and live with me. I'm going to adopt you, and I'm going to make you my son. Like, when, when that person legally became your son, did you know that in that culture, you could write off all of your biological kids? You could write them out of your will. You could cut them out of your life. You could say, I don't want anything to do with you, and when I die, you get nothing. Right? But did you know, like, legally, you could not write off your adopted kids. You couldn't. You can't do it. And so when he says adopted, they're going, oh, wait a second. Like, like you're saying, not only am I going to be your son, but like I'm a son that's chosen for relationship with you. And once you sign those papers, once I put on Christ, once I make you Lord and Savior, like you can't unadopt me like that's the picture that he's giving us right it's like like he chose you and he adopted you and did you know that that's still the law today i just found that out like two weeks ago like that's still how it works is if i adopted a kid into my life i can write my biological kids out of my will but i cannot write my adopted kids out of my life can't do it like that's good news because that's what the lord says about you
And the worship team, you guys can go ahead and head this way, whoever's doing that. I don't really know how we're closing, but that sounds good. Here's the thing. Like the fact is like some super well-meaning people. Some people who, um, man, love the Lord. Like what we talk about in the process of making disciples is that like if you're not careful, like if you're not careful with how you handle the Word, if you're not careful with how you teach, if you're not careful with how you walk things out, like the fact is like we get one degree off. And like if you think about a big cruise ship and say you've got a ship that's sailing from, from Galveston to Jamaica, right? And like let's say they head off and they're headed the right direction and they're on the right bearing and they're going the right way. But like somebody comes by and like knocks that wheel. Like if that ship gets one degree off and then it goes a thousand miles, one degree off, like they're not going to be anywhere close to where they were supposed to be right? Like you're going to miss where you were headed because you just got like a little bit off. Because the fact is like so many of us are coming to church and we're walking into buildings and we're sitting under good teaching and like, like we're doing what we can to build our relationship with the Lord. But man, if you're not careful, like you're one degree off. And as you walk, the farther that you walk, when you're walking one degree off of what the Lord says about you, when you're walking one degree off of the direction that He's pointed you in, when you're walking one degree off and believing one little lie, like the fact is the longer that you walk, like the further away you get. Like, the, the, like, like sin over and over in the Bible like is described as missing the mark. Right? And the fact is like so many of us are going like, like Jesus is the mark and that's where I want to go, but like we're missing and we don't know why, and the truth is it's because you're not way off. You're not, you're not going out and drinking. You're not cheating on your wife. You're not, like, like these big sins aren't playing out in your life anymore. But man, so many of us are walking with the Lord and you're one degree off. And like the degree is that you believe what the world says about you instead of what the Word says about you. Like the degree is that our identities are in what we do for the church instead of being the church. Like our identities are in the things that we're called to do rather than who he says we are. Like our identities are in the things that we do rather than in the fact that he calls you a son and a daughter and you're adopted and you're blameless and you're holy and he chose you. He picked you out on purpose relationship with him now here's the like here's the kicker does drew have a calling on his life to pastor this church without a doubt but it's not why he chose him like there's no so that right like we talk about this he doesn't want me to sit with him so that i can get up on sunday and give it away he doesn't want me to sit with him he doesn't want me to abide with him he doesn't want me to be with him so that i can do something but if i abide if I sit with him, if I remain with him, if I be with him, if I just do what the Lord has asked me to do, like, sit with me. Be with me. Like he says, come, like, come to the throne of grace. Like, come boldly to the throne of grace. And that's where you'll find mercy and grace. Like, we try to find mercy and grace everywhere else. We try to clothe ourselves with all kinds of other things. And like, we lose sight of the fact that before you did anything, anything for the kingdom this is what he says about you this is who you are this is the blessing that's been passed down from generation to generation so that it lands here in Berryville, Arkansas and you receive the truth of who the Lord says you are like this is the new covenant made between God and his people that everyone has the right to hear the voice of the Lord because you are adopted as his sons and his daughters in Christ before you've done anything to move his kingdom. Like the world tells us, work hard and then rest. Like God tells us, 
Like, rest with me. Be with me. Abide with me. John 15, 5. If you abide with me, you will bear much fruit. If you sit with, that word abide, sit with, remain with, be with. If you sit with me, you will bear much fruit. You can't help it. Does it say, if you sit with me, then you got to go try to bear fruit. If you sit with me, then you go out and like, then you go work real hard to do what I've called you to do. Like he's saying, if you abide with me, you will bear much fruit. It's a natural thing. You can't help it. You can't work at it. You can't earn it. You can't do anything. He says, come sit with me. Why does he want you to sit with me? Like, what's the biggest hindrance to going and being with the Lord? Like, it's the lies that I'm believing about myself. It's because I know who I am. I start telling myself, God doesn't want anything to do with me because I'm jacked up. Like, we walk in the freedom. This is what he says about us. Like Ephesians 1, 3. Like God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, speaks highly of you in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 4. Like you were deliberately chosen and hand-picked out of a real heart preference to be holy and blameless before Him. Ephesians 1.5, He marked you out for adoption. He picked you. He chose you on purpose. He marked you out for adoption as His sons and daughters. Like David closed last week asking, like, what, what has God said about you? Like, this is what He says about His church. And guys, the truth is that's fairly easy to believe. Like, this is what he says about you. And this is what he says about me. That's a little harder. But the choice we have to make is like, am I going to bend to the weight of the word? Am I going to let the word be more true than my feelings? Because the same way Abraham heard from God and he received promises from God. And God said, I'm going to change your name. He spoke into his identity and says, you're not this anymore. This is who you are. And Abraham believed it so much that even when he didn't see it play out, he began to pass that promise on to his kids. So the truth is, like no matter what you feel today, no matter what you have experienced today like if you have put on Christ if Jesus is both Savior and Lord like these things are true this is what he says about you today like you may not see them like when you, you like self-evaluation you go home and you sit and go Man, he says I'm holy and blameless, but like, look at all these things that, like, you may not see them yet, but by faith, like, you can receive them. You can begin to walk into these things. Like, you begin to move towards the things that the Lord says about you. Like, my ask, like, I believe what the Lord has asked me to do today, like, to remind you. Like to either establish that for the first time today, like allow him in the next few minutes to change your mind and help you believe the good news that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, like the blood of Christ covers it all. There's a new covenant that's no longer about your performance. There's a new covenant that's no longer about your sacrifice. There's a new covenant that no longer hinges on you. Like the word says that your righteousness, the best you have to offer is filthy rags. So like when we start trying to live up to what the Lord has called us to do, like he says, the absolute best you can do, like it, your righteousness is filthy rags to me. You cannot do it. But because he's a God who makes a way from Genesis through Revelations, he came and he said, like, like I'm going to make a new covenant with you. 
like I'm gonna give you a new promise. And like the new promises, like all you have to do is believe that I am who I say I am and you are who you say you are. And like by faith today, like we can begin to take hold of that. Like let the Lord establish or remind you today who you are in Him. This is good news. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.